Well, I brought with me today my passport. Because like all of you, I'm extremely proud of my picture. No, I, like, isn't there like this universal hatred for pictures in passports? Like, I mean, if you don't think that's true, I mean, if you actually like your picture on your driver's license, because I know most of you didn't bring your passport with you today, but if you have your driver's license picture, I mean, how many of you are like, yeah, here, I mean, it's, it's like the grandkids, right? I mean, we're like, so proud of ourselves. Like, look at my driver's license picture. No, no one does that, do they? Uh, but, but passport, you know, passports are really kind of important deals, right? I mean, they're, they're, they are our ability to get around in other countries. Without it, well, you're either staying in the country you're in, not getting back into the country that you want to get in. Something's not going to go well if you don't have a passport and you leave the country. It, the, the passport, really, you should probably look like what's in there, too. The problem with my passport is it expires in 16 days. Which what that means is, I don't look like this anymore. It's a 10-year-old picture. And there's something about pictures, right, that we would prefer that our pictures make us look better than we really are. I mean, because some people, if you, I know a lot of you in here are really good at the whole, um, you know, uh, touch-up to pictures. But, you know, like sometimes people get pictures taken and you see them. And, and like advertising or whatever, you know, they're, they're professional photos for realtors or whatever. And not, not saying anything, Rudy, but, but, you know, pictures, sometimes you don't look like what the pictures are. The advertising. We want to look better than we are for some reason. There, there's a word for that. When you're trying to look like something you're not. It is. There, there's a word for that. It's a hypocrite. I mean, it's bad, isn't it? I wasn't calling you that, Rudy. I just want you to know that no one else should understand. I'm just clarifying. Because, look, when we want ourselves to look like something we're not, it's kind of a bad thing. And that's the point of a passport. The passport is to identify which kingdom we're a part of. It's to identify what we look like. So that when people look at this, they know that I'm the same person. And actually, that's what Peter is writing to the people in the churches in First Peter. He's giving us sort of this portrait of what the follower of Jesus ought to look like. And that ought to be known by. And that when people look at us, they see Jesus. And that's what we ought to, and, and whose kingdom we're a part of. And, and that's the idea of what Peter is writing. And he didn't have in mind a passport, but he had in mind, it, this is what a follower of Jesus ought to be like. And so in First Peter chapter 2, we're going to start looking at that. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1, and I'm going to read one word. So, okay, when you read that, it basically references backwards 
to all that was written already, that Peter has written through the first chapter, since you are a follower of Jesus, since your citizenship is in heaven, since you have a future that isn't tied to your possessions or your status in this world. So, because of all that, get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. Peter believed and expected that the people of the churches of the first century should be different from the people around them. They should get rid of all evil behavior. They should not be known for deception or hypocrisy, jealousy, or unkind speech. This isn't what followers of Jesus should be known for. The picture of our lives should not contain those things. Those descriptors should be absent from the follower of Jesus. Followers of Jesus should be known as people of the truth. People who are different than what they say they are. They, they, they shouldn't be you know, different than what they... They should be reflections of who Jesus is. People who are genuinely happy for others, other people's successes and blessings. We shouldn't be people who are jealous of what other people have or what they experience. And our speech should be kind. Peter then gives the method that this is going to come about. Instead of being known for the the negatives, the follower of Jesus should be known for the positives. And the way it's going to happen is through these next couple instructions. And I really wished that the baby that was crying a minute ago was still in here. Or crying, because it would be a perfect illustration. It would be. Children are wonderful. And when you hear that, I heard that baby crying just a few moments ago. And I, I was like, that is perfect. Because they sort of have this one-track mind. Babies have this, this one-track mind of, of well, eating. And so when you read verse 2, you think of that. Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. Now, now when you read this, this isn't to say that the only people that need to, to, to crave the spiritual milk are new believers. In fact, Every follower of Jesus ought to crave pure spiritual milk just like a newborn baby. In fact, once you've gotten a taste, and, and, and places are really good at this, right? I mean, I mean, you go some places, whether it's the grocery store and these people with samples. The other day, we went to a store and, and, and Matt saw this cheese. And he's like, he goes by and he gets that cheese. And he goes, Dad, that was really good. I'm going back to get more. The idea isn't so that you keep eating the cheese. That's out there. The idea is that you go and buy some. See, just like when, you know, sometimes you go into coffee shops like Starbucks, right? And they'll, they'll have these little little cup samples and, and, and they'll want you to test them so that they addict you. 
to what? Well, one day, one day, Janae and I went to Starbucks, but next door there's a brand new opening of this place called Small Cakes. And they were giving out cups of icing. Oh, buddy. You want to talk about a wonderful day. Just give me a cup of icing. Because I, I love it. I only eat cake and cupcakes for the icing. I mean, that's all I eat them for. I want the icing. It's just, you know, it's like pure sugar, right? I mean, it's just... But you want to talk about... what? See, look, that's been months ago. That cup of icing they gave me left an impact on me. I want more. Once you have tasted that the Lord's kindness is there, you ought to crave pure spiritual milk. You ought to be like, like your mouth ought to be watered. Well, that, that's the deal with the baby. See, the baby has a one-track mind, right? Yeah, I know. They, they eat, they sleep, and they get diaper changes. And so, so they eat, they sleep, and that's what, that's what they do. But they wake up, and they're wanting to eat because that's what they know. That's, and they cry out for it. And that ought to be every follower of Jesus ought to be crying out for the goodness of the Lord, the presence of God, the experience of His Word. It ought to be just something that makes us driven toward Him. See, that, that's where we ought to be as every follower of Jesus. We, we have to be pursuing Jesus, pursuing His presence, Pursuing reading his word and, and gathering with other believers for worship and, and, and the word, for, for getting together to study the scriptures. That's what Peter's talking about. Peter's talking about we must crave. There it is. Perfect. Thank you. Candy's like, that's not funny. <laughs> it, 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 that, that ought to, you ought to, every time you hear a baby cry, you did this verse of scripture for the follower of Jesus ought to just ignite a, a passion back into our lives to be driven to the presence of Jesus and craving the word, craving God's presence in our lives because we've tasted the Lord's kindness. We've experienced salvation. We ought to be driven there so that we grow into, and I don't know what that completely means, grow into a full experience of salvation. We know that the full experience of salvation happens immediately upon salvation, and yet there's something more that's coming, and just we're going to continually grow. That ought to be our constant drive to get better, to know more of Jesus. That's why Hannah's devotion for, for communion about are we different today than we were previously is so important because we ought to be changing. We ought to be coming more and more like Christ. And so the next portion of Peter, he goes on to describe it. He, he describes believers as individuals, but really he describes the church as a whole. 
the individual believers reflect this, but, but the church as a whole needs to reflect this. The church has, as a whole needs to be this. And Peter is describing how the followers of Jesus mirror what happened to Jesus. So verse 4 goes, You are coming to Christ who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. Jesus was rejected by the people he came to save. But he was chosen by God for great honor. The people Peter is writing to were being rejected by the people of their culture and the people around them. But in the midst of that rejection, God was building them into a spiritual house. God was building them together as, as, as a house. And, and it goes on in verse 5 and explains it. And, and you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. As the scriptures say, I'm placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem, chosen for great honor. Anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Yes, you who trust him recognize the honor God has given him. But for those who reject him, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. And he is the stone that makes people stumble, the rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they do not obey God's word, and so they meet the fate that was planned for them. Peter's describing two options here that existed then and still exist today. When confronted with the person of Jesus, what is our response? Are we able to accept what he did for us? Or do we reject it because it makes no sense or it simply can't be like that or whatever. And the, the, Jesus was a stumbling block in the first century and still is today. There's so many people out of ignorance or unwillingness to change who reject Jesus. Some reject Jesus because they can't believe God would come to this planet and die for our sin. Others reject Jesus because they can't believe he rose from the dead. Those reasons haven't changed for 2,000 years. Then Peter describes the church again. The church is all of us. Individuals put together. There actually is no real entity, the church. People talk about the church in our culture. The, the church doesn't really exist outside of individuals. See, the church is just people who are followers of Jesus. The building is a gathering space. It, it really isn't the church. The church is you and I. We, we are the physical representation of Jesus in our world today. He, he is living in us, and He's, and he's living through us. And, and he, he needs you and I to be the church, the body of Christ on the planet. Because that's who He's called us to be. Verse 9 says, But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. 
And verse 9 is easy for us to read through, and I've only read the first part of it. It's easy for us to read through it and just kind of skip over it. We know the verse. It's, it's been made into a song years ago. I mean, there's all kinds of things. But when we really understand this, it changes a lot. Like, we don't understand royalty in America. I mean, we're told that we can do anything, achieve any kind of, we can attain the highest office. I mean, you know, kids in America are born and, you know, people say, who's going to be the next president? Well, in royalty situations, you have to be born into it. Like, if you're not part of the family, you can't be royal. You, you have to be born into that. Well, when Peter's writing this to people who understood that culture, you had to be born to it. Even for the Jewish people, they're thinking, you gotta be in the part, you gotta be a, a part of the, the line of David. I mean, if you're gonna be, if you're gonna be king in, in this world, you, you gotta be part of the house of the line of David. If, if you're gonna be king in, in, in the Caesars, you gotta be in that line. You, you have to be born in this. You can't get there on your own. You can't get there on your own still. But because of God, because of Jesus' death on the cross, we are royalty. We are royal priests. And think about that one again, that whole priest thing. You know, in our culture, again, we, we think, well, you can do whatever. I mean, you go to school and become what you want to become. That wasn't true in the Jewish people and the priests. If you weren't born into the priesthood, if you weren't born into a family that was part of the priesthood of that line, you, you, you weren't going to be a priest. There wasn't any options. You, you, well, you born into a family of farmers that were not part of the priestly line, well, you weren't going to become a priest. So as much as you wanted to be, you, you couldn't. And we can't be either of those. Without the power of Christ in us, without God's working in us, we can't be either of those either. But we are royal priests because of Christ in us. We are a holy nation because of Christ in us. We are God's very own possession because of Christ's work in us. It's something we cannot do on our own. He does it for us. He makes us into that. He, he selects us as chosen people. He chose us. To know Him and to serve Him and to live for Him and to honor Him with our lives. It goes on and says in verse 9, the end of it, As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For He called you out of the darkness into His wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people... Now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. Peter specifically has in mind here the Romans and the Greeks, and he was writing to, to a people who had no spiritual heritage. They had identity. They, they had no real hope. They, they did now. They have a hope, and, 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 and Peter's writing that to them, and, and the church is, is the visible presence of Jesus on the earth today. And, and that ought to bring a sense of responsibility 
to all of us. We're talking about the church as a whole. Not as individuals, but, but each of us as individuals bear a responsibility to be Christ-like in our lives. Because our lives matter as representatives of Jesus. That's why what Peter outlines here is so important for us. The church and individual people need to grow into salvation. We need to be pursuing Christ. We need to be pursuing spiritual growth. And then we grow into a spiritual community. We, we grow into a spiritual house that offers to God spiritual sacrifices where we're serving other people. And then we're to declare the goodness of God, making Christ known. Well, these aren't the only missions of church. I, I, the church is not the church if it's not doing these things. It's not performing the work of the church in our culture. All true Christian development, Christian growth, everything that we do must flow from knowing Christ. Participating in the work of the Son and submitting to the guidance of the Holy Spirit. We talk about spiritual growth. The greatest obstacle to spiritual growth today is busyness. In contemporary society, Satan only has to do one thing, and that's keep us busy. Keep us busy around noise and around crowds. And then keep us in that place, we won't grow. The question is, how have you grown as a follower of Jesus in the last year? How have you grown in the last six months? How have you grown in the last month? Now realize, when you start to get the times closer, it's tougher to see it. Just like with, with, with you know, kids in your own home. And they're there and you don't see the growth happening and people don't see them for a time frame. They see it and they see the change that takes place. Well, well the question is, how are you changing? How are you growing? What, what Bible reading plan are you working through? Look, look, if you're looking for something to read over the next couple months, just constantly read the letter of 1 Peter over and over again. Just keep reading it. Read ahead. Read, read, and, and just keep reading and reading. And as we talk it through on a Sunday, then you'll, you'll gain even more and more understanding. And then you'll ask me questions like, Pastor Steve, why did you talk about that part? Because that was really good. And I'm like, I can't talk about it at all. I've been here for years. But when you think about the spiritual growth, it has to start there. These two kind of connect together as we get here, but when you talk about spiritual growth and you talk about a spiritual community, for you to see that, you have to understand that when you're growing as an individual, you ought to probably be pouring into somebody else as well. If you don't have somebody that you're helping grow as a follower of Jesus, you're probably missing a great part of what it means to be a disciple. Because a disciple makes disciples. And you have to do that within community. You can't do that individually. You can't do it um, without having conversations. And so when we talk about spiritual community... Peter states that we are living stones being built in a spiritual house. We're connected through Jesus, the chief cornerstone, and we need each other. 
Look, we got a perfect example down the street here. Right, there's this beautiful Capitol building we spent a few dollars on to remodel. It's beautiful. But could you imagine if in the remodel of that thing, they left out some stones? Like, because it's made of stone, right? I mean, it's just blocks. It just... Could you imagine one of the offices just missing some stones? In Kansas, I don't care which side of the building you're on, you're going to get wet. Because you can have a great you can have a great overhang, great covering, but at some point in Kansas, the rain is going to go sideways. And if the building is missing stones, it looks bad. It doesn't function right. When we talk about spiritual community, we can't have any stones missing. See, we are living stones, and we're being built in a spiritual house, and if if one stone is missing, somebody's getting wet. And that's no good. And if enough stones are missing, there's going to be a wall that's going to crumble. And honestly, that can't happen either. If we're being living stones, being built into a spiritual house, we are all necessary. And we need space for one another as well. Look, one of the struggles that we have is that we can get so busy that we don't have space to welcome others into our world. The scriptures would teach it in Colossians would be an open heart. A heart that's open to other people coming into our community. It's an important piece that, that we're welcoming and have space for people in our community. Space for people. You know, there's small group concept here that, that if, if, if you have a small group, you should always leave an empty chair that speaks of who's the person that needs to come and be a part of our community. Because somebody needs to be there. But, but honestly, there, there's places in our lives where we, we have to be open to welcoming people into our community. And, and it gets smaller. It gets it's smaller into our, our, our family. But as a church, we've got to welcome people into our community. If we do, don't do that, we're, we're not building the, the spiritual house that God is wanting to be the church needs to be growing and the church needs to be not, not because we need to grow a large organization. We need to grow because we're growing the kingdom of God. Because there's going to be people, if we don't allow them into our spiritual community, they're going to spend an eternity separated from Jesus because we've not welcomed them in. And, and our willingness and openness to welcome people into our world matters. It matters for them and for us. I'm better because I welcome people into my community, and they're better because they're welcomed into my community. Now, I know, I know, going back to the passport illustration, you're like, no, have you seen my picture? Me welcoming anybody in my community is not going to do them any good. See, because I don't look like this. So we always downplay, right? We always downplay ourselves. And we think, no, 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 nobody wants to come into my community because, because I'm not good enough. No, 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 remember, Peter said, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, you are a chosen people, a royal priest, 
a people belonging to God. And that's telling me that you have something to offer. That's telling me that you're a living stone, a stone that's being built into a spiritual house. You cannot downplay who you are. You are a child of God. And because of that, when you welcome people into your community, you're going to make a difference in their lives. Remember, Peter's saying, you should look like the picture on the passport. You should look like the person in the picture. He's he's given us the picture. See, he's given us the idea. He's showing us what we should be looking for. We should be saying, I need to match that. Because that's what a follower of Jesus looks like. Why do we have people who serve on Sundays? Why do we serve? Because serving matters. The responsibility of the priests were to offer sacrifices for the people. That's our responsibility as well today. Our sacrifices aren't for people's forgiveness. It's rather to see Christ in us. It's for them to have an encounter with Jesus. And people walk through our doors on a Sunday. They need to have an encounter with Jesus. That's why we serve. That's why, why do musicians and singers sing and play? And why do we, why do they worry about being good? Well, they worry about being good because they don't want to be a distraction. They want to provide an environment for us to experience the presence of Jesus. Well, they serve because that's their skill set. That's what God has blessed them with. When we serve in other ways, whether it's at a door or in children's ministry or whatever, we're, we're serving so that people can have experience with Jesus. Because that's what we're here for. We're here for people to encounter the presence of God on their level, whether it's children's world or adult world. That's what we're here for. And the final part of it is making Christ known. I'm firmly convinced that followers of Jesus, for the most part, don't need better methods or techniques to share Christ with people. Just like an experienced carpenter doesn't need instructions on how to use their drill or their saw. It just comes naturally to them at some point. And the follower of Jesus, it ought to be natural for us to make Christ known. And, and that's exactly what Peter was describing for us, is that we should be people who are making Christ known, declaring the works of God as a result of who we have become, who we are. A, a follower of Jesus' first approach to skeptics and cynics and people burnt out on organized church in America today ought to be to serve them in love. The the first approach to anybody ought to be serving people with love. When, when, When you have an opportunity to serve people with love, you're doing what Jesus did. He came and served with love. It didn't matter what he experienced. It didn't matter who he ran into. It didn't matter if it was the person who needed healing on the street or the people who needed salvation, which was everybody. He he served them with love. He came and served and loved them. And honestly, if we'll serve people with love, we'll impact them. One of the things that I am, am so pleased with is 
that we get the privilege of having the, the leading of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And, and so every approach to every person we talk to is not the same. It has to change. See, see, God came to us in a tailor-made method for us to know Him. He, he, he met us at the right time, in the right place, in the right circumstances, so that we could understand what it meant to be a follower of Jesus. He did that for us. He wants us to do that for others. Look, one of the things that, that's going to happen, look, you find conversations with people. When you have conversations and making Christ known, you, you just figure out where you are. And I, I'm excited this year. It's a, this isn't an advertisement for the summit, but it was in the, in the bulletin. But I'm excited for the summit because I have two friends who are not followers of Jesus that are going to come to the summit this year, learn business principle, leadership principle, but they're going to hear a message of Jesus, they're going to come to church and do it, and, and that's just cool for me, because I found a place where I can have this conversation with them, that I've served, and I've hung out with them, and I'm, and I'm trying to share Christ, and this is an opportunity to make Christ known. See, you're not going to know who they are, and when you're serving in the summit. When you're serving drinks and you're, you're serving refreshments in the foyer, you're not going to know who my friends are. But I know this, you're going to serve them so well, they're going to see Jesus in your life. I know that. And so I'm like completely trusting that when they come here, that for those two days, they're going to have an experience with the presence of Jesus because they're walking into this place with you, my friends, serving them. And they're going to experience the love of Christ. And that's what ought to happen every single week on Sunday. Everything we do ought to be about serving others. You know, whether it was from donuts and coffee to, to whatever, it's all about serving people, loving people. And one of these days when it's raining, we need to get some people with some umbrellas and help people in from their cars. And teenagers will feel free to park your car for you if you'll give them the keys. <laughs> Serving Jesus in love. Making Christ known. That's what Peter's talking about in this whole process. It's all four of these things. He, he's saying, look, it all has to start with that spiritual growth. It, that has to be the launching pad for it all. If we try to do the others without first having that spiritual growth component in our lives, it's no good. We're just going through the motions. We're just doing something good. It's not coming from the right heart. It's not coming from the right place. And look, if you find yourself in a place in your life where, like, your speech is starting to get unkind, you're struggling with honesty and truth, I'll tell you where you go back to. Go back to step number one. Crave pure spiritual milk. Because somewhere along the road, you've gotten derailed from the priorities of the kingdom. And we got to remember that. Anytime you see that cropping up in your own life, you're not being patient with people. You're not loving people. Go back to step one. Go back to craving pure spiritual 
milk, you've gotten knocked off course. Get back to the basics. Get involved in spiritual community. Serve others. Make Christ known. It's a constant circle that you and I must live, and they're done all individually, but they're done collectively, and they're done to, we, we just got to keep doing that exact thing over and over and over again. And we will be the spiritual house that Peter describes us being built into. That's where you and I have to find ourselves. So the question is, where are you today? Where is it that God is speaking into your life that needs to change or you need to grow in? Because we all need to change. We all need to be growing. We all need to be getting better as followers of Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you, God, for what you're doing. Thank you, Lord, for the picture that you've given us of what we ought to be as followers of Jesus. And Lord, thank you for your encouragement as to who we are and what you call us. Lord, we are your chosen people. We are royal priests. We are people belonging to God, a holy nation. Lord, as the church, as individuals, Lord, help us to reflect you. Lord, for those in the room today that, that know they're not where they ought to be in the basics of craving pure spiritual milk, Lord, I pray that people would set priority to be in your presence, in your word, gathering with other believers in church. Lord, would you speak into each of our lives, specifically where we are. That will get into community. That will serve. That will make you known. Lord, help us, I pray. Lord, accomplish what you want in these moments. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor Chris and the team are going to lead us in a song, and if you'd like prayer this morning for any reason whatsoever, we prayer teams will meet you at the front. They'll pray for healing. They'll pray for you in regards to response to the message. They'll, they'll pray for you for whatever you're facing. If you'd like prayer for that, then come and they'll meet you here. If you want to become a follower of Jesus, they'll lead you through that process as well. If you know you're not where you ought to be, you know right now when you when I talk about babies crying for food, if that's not where you're at with your passion for Jesus, start there. Just say, Jesus, I need you. Start at that place. And go from there. Stand this morning and worship the Lord and allow God to speak to you as we...